0: In today's sermon, we continue our study on spiritual warfare. You may recall that we've already looked at our primary enemy, who is the devil. We've seen his tactics and how to resist him. Today, we're going to talk about a second enemy, the world. The world is our enemy. The world is against us as children of God. In this sermon, we begin to look at the ways of the world and how that it can assault us. And we'll ultimately learn how to resist the world as well. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. In the dark of the midnight, I- morning we had started looking at a passage in Ephesians and I want to go back there tonight. Ephesians chapter 6 and beginning in verse 10. I told you this morning I've had a great burden to preach on this topic for the last little while and I believe it's necessary and very much needed for us as God's children in this world that we live in. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. We talked this morning about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare, because, beloved, we are in a spiritual battle. Every single day of our lives, we're in a battle. We've been talking for the whole year, just about, about the kingdom of God and the, and the, the foundational principles, and p- primarily our articles of faith and what the doctrine of the church ought to be, but when we talk about the kingdom of God, we said this morning, and I want to remind you tonight, that as with most kingdoms, there are enemies that would like to destroy that kingdom. There are enemies of the kingdom of God that are out to destroy us, child of God. And we talked about one of them this morning. We saw that there are, we, we actually have a trinity of enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. All of these are out almost in a conspiracy, if you will, to destroy us, to tear down the walls of the kingdom and to destroy the foundations thereof. One place, I believe it's in Isaiah, and it's in Hosea, I believe. It said, if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? That's what the the devil and the world and the flesh would like to do. I just want to briefly review what we said this morning because I want to talk tonight about the world and the flesh. But we talked about the devil who is our primary enemy. The devil is the one who brought all the problems upon this world in the first place. He did it by deceit. He did it by deceiving Eve. His very name declares that he is our adversary. It literally means an adversary. Satan means an adversary or an opponent. The, the Greek word devil means slanderer or false accuser. And we talked about the fact that he has great power in this world. I just want to go back to one scripture, though, to try to demonstrate that and to remind us where we are. You remember in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8? 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, I'm going to look over there just for a moment. I don't want to rehash the whole message, but I do think we need to look at that just for a moment again. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You remember what we said this morning about what a lion does? What a lion does is he slips up on its prey in the prey's natural habitat. There's very few wildebeests, there's very few antelopes that walk into the lion's den. It's always when they're out there on the African veiled, when they're out there in the plains and they're minding their own business and things seem quiet and peaceful and safe, it's then that the devil slips up upon them. It's then that the lion, rather, slips upon them. He crawls through the grass and he finds them in the place where they are and he attacks when they least expect, expect it and he, he, he exploits their weaknesses to his advantage. <laughs> and so we saw this morning that if, you're, if you have certain issues in your own life, and we all do, some of us have more addictive personalities than others, some of us are more um, workaholic, some of us are more... Um, some of us have short attention spans. Some of us are, maybe have a physical illness. Some have a mental illness. We, maybe we're depressed. Maybe, maybe we're extroverted. Maybe we're introverted. Maybe we're uh, some other kind of issue, short-tempered. Maybe you're sensitive. Maybe whatever it is, whatever it is that you have a weakness, the, the devil will exploit that, and he will attack you, and you know what he's out to do? He's not out to annoy you. He's out to destroy you. He's out to destroy you, and he will destroy you. He can't destroy you eternally, but he will destroy you to the kingdom of God here. You see, remember, we're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about a bulwark. You know, think about what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is a fort that has, it has walls, and it has towers, and it has, it has a palaces. It has places, you know, the towers will extend your vision. The tower's there to, so you can see the enemy coming. You know why it's important that we be in the house of God on a regular basis? It's because it's in the house of God and in the word of God that we learn what the enemy looks like. The, enemy's not, the devil's not some red figure in a top hat and coat with a pitchfork and a forked tail. He's going to look like your best friend he's going to look like the very thing that you enjoy doing he's going to take you know the devil's so good he can take something good and turn it bad there was a time over there when you remember when uh the brazen serpent was lifted up in the wilderness and and it it, it saved those children of israel from all those serpent bites over there when they, when they were bitten by the fiery serpent the bra- if they looked to the to the brazen serpent then uh, uh, they would uh, they would live <laughs> There came a time during the, during the reign of the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah in particular, that they began to take that good thing, that brazen serpent, and they began to worship it. He- Hezekiah had to deal with it. Hezekiah had to take the brazen serpent and break it in pieces, And call it what it was. He called it, the word was nehushtan, and it literally means a brass thing. But there again, I love that story. Because what that tells me is, is that truth will cut through the devil's lies. The truth of God's word will cut through the lies of the devil. He can be resisted. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be careful. Watch. Whom resists steadfast in the faith. Remember this morning we talked about that. It's not just in faith. It's in the faith. The faith once delivered to the saints. That's not just the faith that we have inside us. That's the faith we find taught in the Word of God. That's the doctrine of the apostles. That's the fellowship of the saints. That's the breaking of bread. That's the prayers. The faith. Not just some faith. Not just any old faith. The faith. That's how we can resist the devil. It says, resist him steadfast in the faith. He can be resisted. And tonight, I want us to look at the second of our enemies. Because you see, the world is also our enemy. And, and don't let me, let me make it clear. You can't really divorce the devil from the world because he is the prince of the power of the air. He is the prince of this world. He has much power and authority in this world. Now, I understand his authority only goes so far as God suffers it to go he's he can when he came to job he couldn't the devil couldn't do any more than god suffered him to do but he does have great power you just ask job (laughs) ask him sometime was the devil powerful in your life he would say oh man he was something else it was awful if you've experienced the wiles of satan let me tell you you know what i'm talking about You know what I'm talking about it may be physical afflictions it may be mental illness it may be emotional struggles it may just be tearing down your faith because let me tell you he will do it if he can again he can't get us eternally but he can devour us here that's his that's his goal and the world out there which is his dominion is our enemy we talked about it this morning a little bit but let's go back over to Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, in verses 1 through 3, we have a good description of what it's like out there in the world. Because what it's telling us in Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 1 there, it says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. He's about to tell us what it meant to be dead in sins. And, it, and this is the description of what it's like out there in the world. Notice that when we have no spiritual life, when we are not a spiritual creature, it says, Wherein in time past ye walked, Before we were born again, you walked according to the course of this world. And that course of this world is absolutely in tandem and parallel and in accord with the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The world is opposed to God. The the course of this world is talking about the cycle of this age. In other words, it's the ways of our culture and our society that oppose the Lord. The ungodly trends of this world are in opposition to God. Materialism, naturalism, humanism, the desire for instant gratification, the desire to follow your heart. Man, don't you hear that all the time? That's the, that's the, can I say it this way? That's the hallmark of the Hallmark Channel, right? <laughs> that's the hallmark of the Hallmark Channel. Follow your heart. Just be true to yourself. (laughs) You hear that all the time, don't you? Let me just encourage you, especially you young folks, but even us older folks can fall into this trap. Do not be true to yourself because yourself is guided by your heart. And Jeremiah tells us that our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Following your heart will lead you to a place that the prodigal son ended up. Because you see the trends of this world, especially, you know, I heard, I'll never forget this. It's one of the greatest charges preached in an ordination that I've ever heard was what Brother David Crawford preached at Brother John Morgan's ordination. If you remember what he said, is it some 30 or 40 years ago, I'm not sure how long ago it was that he was ordained, but he said at his ordination many decades ago, the great enemy of God's people was Arminianism. And the, key, and the key to any young preacher in that day was to be able to fight against and stand up to the Armenian teachings of this world. But he said, that's not the struggle today. That's not the main enemy today. It's still out there, but the main enemy of God's people today is humanism. This humanistic focus. We said this morning, can you... Could you have imagined 10 or 15 years ago that the homosexual agenda would be so dominant that, that people would be questioning whether their Uh, uh, biological male and biological female whether the you know the transgenderism that's out there now is just accepted by the world and in the institutions of higher learning as they're called it's being forced down the throats of our children sometimes even in our elementary and high schools I'm thankful that in this part of the country it's at least not The general policy, but I'll tell you, beloved, it is out there and it is accepted. And it's not only accepted, it's promoted. Promoted in this world. The world is opposed to God. Jesus himself set the standard. He said, He put that to rest. He said, In the beginning, you know, he's talking about divorce and remarriage and all that. And he said, In the beginning, it wasn't so. In the beginning, divorce wasn't an issue. And that's what he was talking about was divorce, not transgenderism, but he was giving us some tools that we can use even today. He said, in the beginning, God made them male and female. Two types of human beings, male human beings and female human beings. And that's it. God knows. God established it that way. But the world is opposed to God. You know, he tells us over in 1 John 2, 1 John 2 and verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And this is not condemning people to hell who are worldly. Because there are many Christians who are worldly. I'm sorry to admit that there are times in my life when I'm worldly. And that there's a part of me that loves the world. But what he's saying is, is that part of us that loves the world? is not a lover of God. And he says, all that is in the world, and here it is, this is all that's in the world. You know, people are told to go out and seek their fortune, make their mark on the world and do all. Well, here's all there is in the world. Prodigal son thought there was something out there for him. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, Is not of the Father, but is of the world. You can seek your fortune in the world, and I understand we have to make a living. I'm not talking about that. Find the place that you need to be to to support your family, to support yourself. If a man won't work, neither shall he eat. I understand all that. But do not place your confidence in the world. Do not put your confidence in the world because the world is ruled by Satan in a great way. I understand God is a great ruler of all. I'm not, I'm not taking him off his throne. But I'm telling you, he's, even Jesus called him the prince of this world. And, beloved, the course of this world is opposed to God. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that is not of the Father, but is of the world. And because the world is opposed to God, it's opposed to us. It's opposed to us. If we're children of God, it's opposed to us. You know, there's persecutions in this world. Over in John chapter 15, Jesus told us about that. He, we shouldn't be surprised. He, he gave us fair warning. <laughs> John chapter 15 and verse 18, Jesus said, If the world hates you, you feel like the world hates you? I, I know I do. I've got friends in the world. I'm thankful for the friends I have. I've got but, but, you know, I'm telling you, beloved, I feel like I am constantly in a spiritual warfare. I don't feel like I get much respite in, in this world. I'm, I'm always, seems like, fighting something. It's not just because I'm past. It's not just as your pastor. Sometimes as your pastor, I'm fighting and trying to help, uh, help deal with this situations and issues that come up. But I'm telling you, out in the world itself, I feel like I'm constantly fighting. I've got friends, I'm thankful for them, but in general, the world is not my friend. It hates me. He says, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. We're going to read over here in Peter in a few minutes about not being surprised about the struggles of life. Sometimes I... I've experienced this myself and I talk to people that say they just can't believe that things have gone south, that things have messed up in their lives. They can't believe that that there's problems. Let me tell you, beloved, the world hated Jesus. They hate it hated him. It hated him so much that they put him to death in the most gory and torturous of ways. You know, they could have just gone out there and hung him, or, you know, hanging is actually. If it's done right, not the least humane way to kill somebody. If you hang somebody right, I'm not trying to get too graphic, but it breaks their neck and they die pretty quickly, you know. There's other ways. They could have run him through with a sword. They could have done some things that would have been a quick death. That's not how they killed Jesus. They hung him on a cross. The most torturous death. You know... Death on the cross was so horrible that they had to make up a word to describe it. You heard the word excruciating, pain? That comes from the word cross. Excruciating. It was so horrible. It was excruciating. They had to come up with a special word to describe the sufferings on the cross. That's what they did to the God of glory. Glory. For no reason. Now listen, if, if, if I ever get killed, if somebody ever kills me, you know, I hope I didn't provoke it, but you can always wonder in your mind, well, he, you know, you see people that, that die or get killed and they say, well, he brought it on himself. Well, I might have, you know, I might have I brought it on myself. And even if I didn't bring it on myself at that point, I'm not innocent. There's things I've done that maybe they don't deserve death under our laws, but they're still terribly sinful things, okay? The Lord Jesus Christ did nothing amiss. That's why it's said of him that they hated me without a cause. They hated me without a cause. There was no reason. There was no earthly or heavenly reason. There was no justification for what they did to him you know i get persecuted sometimes people talk about me people do things to me they offend me and i and i'm i'm human i get offended i get you know my feelings get hurt but think about christ i've at least you know sometimes when my feelings get hurt i've misinterpreted something sometimes when my feelings get hurt i'm exactly right but they were having a bad day that hurt them you know somebody didn't say it right or they didn't they didn't do that right or they they just happened to be mad for no good reason and took it out on me you know I've always as a as a prosecutor when I was district attorney I was always dealing with victims and that it had horrible things done to them and I had learned I learned through the course of my, my my career as a prosecutor that sometimes you just got to let them lash out at you You've got to be the whipping boy for a while to let them take it out. They're not really mad at you, but they've just they've been through so much. You don't know what others have been through. and I, Sometimes, you know, I feel like I've been persecuted. I've been, I've been offended without a cause. But, but I want to tell you, beloved, Jesus Christ really was offended without a cause, They hated him without a cause. I've got some enemies today that they're wrong. Uh, The ones, one or two that I'm thinking of right now, they're wrong in their interpretation of what happened. But they think that they have a right to hate me. And you know, I probably didn't do it just right. I probably didn't get every detail of that situation just exactly like I should have. I could have done it better. I could have said it more kindly. I could have taken action when I didn't. But I want to tell you, beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ didn't do one thing to deserve what He, has experience, what he experienced on the cross. And at least I can take some responsibility for what I'm experiencing here. Because even if, I'm not being, even if in this situation I'm being persecuted without a cause... Oh, I've had other situations where I ought to have been persecuted. It's kind of like driving down the road, doing 70 miles an hour in a 55 zone. I decided a while back that even if I got pulled over when I was doing 55 miles an hour, I wasn't going to say anything, just let them write me a ticket. Because you know why? There's been a lot of times they didn't catch me. (laughs) There's been a lot of times they didn't catch me. I deserved it. But Jesus said, they hated me. Why are you surprised that they hated you? If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world was, would love his own. You know, we can actually take some comfort in the fact that the world hates us. Because <laughs> that, that tells us we're really not of the world. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. He goes on to talk about it in another place over in John chapter 16 and verse 33. He said, These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. I see so many of God's children struggling in the world to find peace. I see so many of God's children. I've done it myself, trying to seek peace in this sin-cursed world. And beloved, Jesus Christ said you're not going to find it there. He said these things have I spoken that in me you might have peace. Here's what you get in the world. In the world ye shall have tribulation. You know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I've come to the conclusion some years ago that life is just a series of wonderful mountaintops with deep, deep valleys in between. I've experienced some wonderful mountaintops in my life, but there's some deep, deep valleys that I've gone through. And when I'm on the one mountaintop, I'm already concerned about the valley ahead. (laughs) I can't completely enjoy the mountaintop because I know there's a valley coming. Jesus said, don't be surprised about that. In the world, you shall have tribulation. But there is something that we can take comfort in, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here, but please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.